Well, congratulations on being sober for a whole three days. Thank you. What was the combo of drugs you were on? Uh, dimethyltryptamine, uh, psilocybin, lots of booze, and, and strippers. Yeah. Well, welcome to the Video Reformation Podcast. I'm Ben Oliver. I'm Justin Plant. We're the co-founders of Storyboard Media and your guides to practicing effective video for business. We're like the Rick Steves to PBS viewers like you. That one is kind of a stretch. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yep. We're, I mean, I'm going to have to Google them after this. There's a show on PBS about traveling around Europe. Looks kind of like an older Aaron Sorkin. Uh, yeah. The more you know. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Uh, our topic today is hard truths about video. Um, before we jump in, though, we do, I'm sorry to inform you, have a new sponsor this week. I'm starting to get used to it, though. Yeah. Um, our sponsor this week is Secret Sommelier. Hmm. Wow. No. Oh, it, okay. It starts here. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Are those all drafts? This this is the one document where I have all of my all of uh, the podcast sponsors all the copy. copy that yeah. we have. Um, oh, you should publish that someday. Yeah, we should write a book. Instead of writing a book about <laughs> video for business, we just write a book of our podcast sponsors yes. copy. Yep. That's uh, Jacqueline. Put that on the list. Um, okay, so Secret Sommelier. We'll hear their full spot later in the episode. Today, we're talking about hard truths about video. Uh, Justin, you pointed out this morning that we may have addressed some of these things in the myths about video episode. To me... And this may just be the mood that I'm projecting today. Mm -hmm. To me, this is like, like time to grow up, time to have an adult conversation about the reality of the birds and the bees. This, yes, we're going to talk about your changing body in video (laughs) today. You see, when a man loves a woman, (laughs) it's pretty well. so, so some of these things we may have discussed before. Um, I think we both added some things to this list and not necessarily reviewed together. So, let's just so it'll be a surprise for all of us. Dive into like every other episode. <laughs> um, let's just dive into hard truth number one: video is not an MP4 file; it's a practice. So, manifesto. I, manifesto. I I think. I hope. I hope that this episode is going to be an entry point for some new um, consumers of the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so for all of those new people we're anticipating, um, they probably are wondering what we mean by video not being an MP4 file. It's a practice. Whereas our regular listeners uh, and viewers may know all about it. What do we mean by video not being a file, video being a practice? kind of think back to the seven phases of practicing effective video. So strategy, then there's the production layer, pre-production, production and post. And then there's distribution, promotion, and analysis on top. And that's more or less a cycle. Um, and so it's, it's something you do actively. Um, a lot of people, a lot of people exercise, right? They run and they run a lot. Most people who run, run on a daily basis. Or, or like a couple times a week. You wouldn't call yourself a runner if you run once, like once a month. Um, 
But side note, if I may. Yeah. Uh, after my dad had his quintuple bypass surgery uh, eight years ago, mm-hmm. he took exactly that methodology with his recovery. It, he was supposed to walk on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Have Dad, have you been walking? I've walked. Which means that since the last time you asked, he walked once. And I think a lot of people think that they're they're doing video because they had one produced a year and a half ago. Right. And the hard truth is video, especially in this kind of, kind of slides into the next one, but video and, and especially stuff on LinkedIn and Instagram and so all social platforms, uh, it's very ephemeral. Content can be very ephemeral. Some of it should have, it is designed for a longer shelf life and that's great, um, but it uh, it's something that you need to continually push out there. So maybe the promotion of that video needs to continually happen. And then, you know, what's working? Is it working on this channel better or this channel better? All right, let's shift some of our funding over to, to this channel because we're seeing more of a return over there. Or what didn't work. Exactly. We've had several clients who've done some really quality video work, and yet when we started talking to them, they were very disappointed in what it had done for them. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I, I think that even goes all the way back to kind of our origin story where the videos that we were producing for our clients weren't really doing anything because they didn't even know what they wanted them to do in the first place. So video is a practice. Video is something that you do continually. You learn from it. You get better. You um, publish it once. You promote it everywhere, whatever that line is. I think a lot of people can can relate to to what I'm about to say more because like if you, you probably have a friend who started a company and did I do yeah everybody's got one yeah I mean most a lot of people have attempted to start a company these days and so one of the things you do is you get a website and you write a blog post right mm-hmm. well go you know go to most websites and their blog posts are from like January 19 or 20 2018 you know mm-hmm. like most people here have probably who are listening have probably written a blog post in January of 192018. <laughs> yes. Um, and so, is that the future or the pack? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's all cyclical. Yeah. So, th- that doesn't make you a writer just because you wrote a blog post two and a half years ago. Right. Well, and, and there's something that maybe we need to figure out what the word is for video, but you said it in writer, right? Writer implies someone who is presently writing. Mm hmm. Runner. Runner. Right. Videoer. Yeah. That has a nice ring to it. It's, that just rolls off the tongue, <laughs> right? Videoer. What isn't video? If it is a practice and it's not an individual video that is made, mm-hmm. what else isn't it? Sounds, ben, what is video not? <laughs> um, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> One of the things that video isn't is a singular solution. Okay. Um, so, again, manifesto. Do we still do that, no, by I don't the way? Think so. We don't still do that? We used to have a little horn sound effect we would do when we talked about the manifesto. Video doesn't live in a vacuum. It is not, uh, it's supposed to work with and for and around, and you know all the prepositions. Oh, right? I do. Um, it's supposed to stick around at the end for all the prepositions. For all the prepositions, it's supposed to prepo- work preposition uh, <clears throat> your other content. Right. It's not supposed to replace your content. It, it's also not a magic bullet, right? It's not the thing that if we've already talked about it not being something that is one 
video file, even just the practice of video isn't the only thing you should be doing. Mm-hmm. Um, just like you shouldn't put all of your eggs in the blog basket or the paid search basket mm-hmm. or the gated ebook and white paper basket, you shouldn't put all of your eggs in the video basket. You should be doing some of all of those things. I challenge any B2B marketer out there to find me an audience that only likes to consume one type of medium. Mm-hmm. Because regardless of how specific your your personas are, your the varied individuals that fit that persona all like to consume information differently. As much as we would like it to be true that video is the singular solution, the end-all, be-all, it's not. It's a part of the equation. Well, and also, like like the title of this section, video is not an MP4. Well, it is an MP4 file if that's all you have is the asset. Right. You need a website to, to put it on. You need a hosting solution. Yes. You need a place to, like social platforms, to promote it. So the video file itself isn't doing anything unless you complete some of the other steps of the practice. Even if you get one MP4 file put up to YouTube. Now, I'm just flashing in my head or all of the times we've seen the opposite. Um, You're giving it a title. You're putting tags on it. Oh. Right. You're, You're adding a description. Um, that is so, is context and information outside of the video asset itself yep. that helps people find it, that provides context, that helps it show up in search. Um, and yet, how many times have we come across a video that is uh, homepage video final version four uh low res web dot mp4 as the youtube title (laughs) slash final slash all you used to see it a lot more i think people at least have gotten um you know and no description and no you know no tags anything like that and then i don't know maybe they're embedding it to their site but but probably not Um, and a dirt face for a thumbnail exactly exactly so I, i i guess what we're trying to say is that I guess we've kind of covered two bullet points here, even though we combine them into one. Mm-hmm. It's one is that video is a practice, not a deliverable, which is straight out of the manifesto. And the other is that video isn't a singular solution uh, or does it work completely independently outside of any of the other context, web page, landing page, social channels, blog contents, whatever that you're mm-hmm. putting around it. So yeah, so it's not a replacement for other content. Right. Yep. Consistency in video is difficult. And that that shows up in a lot of different ways. Like viscosity? Like viscosity. What do you mean by, by, by consistency? Oh, yeah. um, no. Like how thick or Pour thin it is? Pour me a glass of video, please. Pour me a glass of video. <laughs> the frequency at which you publish or create video content is one part of consistency. The Also, the the look and smell and voice and that kind of thing is is all also another part of consistency and that is tough to accomplish if you're working with three different producers uh interchangeably that stuff's gonna look different and it's difficult to accomplish a similar 
I mean, you've got because it's part of it is because there's so many different roles that go into making video. Yeah, I was. I mean, you said three different producers. Well, imagine just three different editors. Yeah, working from the with, same producer. So we we've got a client. We've got a client right now where we interviewed three of their customers to do a series of of case studies and testimonial videos, things like that. And same producer, same interviewer, same shooter, same same strategic team, same creative mm-hmm. team, three different editors. Yeah. And even when the footage comes from the same camera and the same camera operator, DP, the, the same interviewer is asking the questions. Once you put it to those three different editors, there are going to be differences in editing styles. Mm-hmm. Um, A creative director should help tamper some yes, of that. Yes, but that's that's a solution to the consistency yeah. issue. Yeah. So many, so many companies that get past, okay, I'm not just making one video, I'm making a series of videos here. I get that. Or they even have a roadmap. Once you're executing that, that's what we're talking, that's part of what we're talking about mm-hmm. here is making sure that your brand, how many brand guidelines have we gotten really good brand guides from really well-established companies with great brands mm-hmm. that have zero video brand guides. Mm-hmm. They have no means by which to keep the look, style, tone, um, imagery consistent mm-hmm. so that if you watch three videos back to back on their site or on their YouTube channel or wherever you may find it, it feels like it's without somebody mentioning the company name, they got different lower thirds. Mm-hmm. They got they just don't feel like they're made by the same company yep. because just like a production company or a producer puts their name on the videos that they make for a client, that company is literally putting its name on all those videos. Mm-hmm. So we want the product that we give to our clients to be consistent, but the the entity most concerned about consistency should be the brand itself. Yeah. Um, even if they haven't invested a lot in that brand, help reinforce the brand by making everything look and feel and sound and taste and smell the mm-hmm. same, basically. And that's hard to do if you don't put someone or something in place to, to manage, manage all of yeah. that. Even if you give otherwise complete brand guidelines to two or three different MoGraph designers, they're going to come up with different ways Timing. to do a logo sting. Yeah. Yep. Timing, uh, music. So even if you just had that one video, you don't just share it on your social site once. Um, this is something that, that, that I think you started to talk about in the first bullet point a little bit. But um, social sites are so ephemeral. Mm-hmm. There was... Two years ago, I think, at the Internet Summit, um, I watched a presentation and somebody actually put up the average um, the average life cycle of a post on the different social channels. Mm-hmm. And when you think about all of the work that goes into creating a piece of video content and then you finally release it on Instagram and if you haven't gotten a view within the first 16 14, 16, 18 hours, nobody's going to see it after yeah. that. Yeah. Especially if it's a story, it disappears after 24 sure. hours. It's designed to disappear after 24 hours. But old things don't show up in the feed. And so 
why would you take all of this time and, and, and efforts and all of these resources to make this piece of content, even if you've got 10 or 12 pieces of content and you put them out there only once, it has less than 24 hours for people to put eyes on it. Mm -hmm. And I think this is something that we've struggled with before. Don't be afraid to share the same content a couple months later. Sure. A couple weeks later. Yep. Right? Keep putting it out there because, well, in the cynical way to approach this is nobody's paying attention. <laughs> yeah. Right? Right. And people forget even if they did see it. Yes. And so it takes, I mean, even take the old sales adage of like seven touches before somebody recognizes yeah. who you are. That could very well be seven times seeing part of the same video mm -hmm. before they say, oh, wait, I think I've seen this before. Or these people sound familiar. They still don't have that. And you're sitting there like, you know every word in the video. You know mm -hmm. every time, every timestamp of when you've posted it, whatever. No one else knows mm -hmm. because no one else cares. And so, much so like it comes down to timing for the viewer too. Is like, yeah. is not, am I able to take action on this now? Uh, Probably not. We do some some very well designed cold email outreach that we've talked <clears throat> about on some previous episodes. Uh, in that discovery phase, where we were working with the company to help develop our, our cadence and our messaging, it occurred to me that the cold emails that one get into my inbox, two are something relevant to me, mm -hmm. um, often take three emails before I realize. So like email one, I see a name Never in heard the it. from, yeah. and you know, I disregard it. Email number two, I'm like, oh wait, these guys actually do something that, do I have this as a problem? Uh, maybe not. But then it starts to kind of burrow into the sure. brain. Because then so often, and I mean, I'm talking about like the four times that cold outreach has actually impacted me. Um, but then in, in all of those scenarios, I'd get to like the third or fourth email in that sequence and be like, you know what? This is a problem I have. I would like a solution. This is kind of timely. I'm totally open to hearing what somebody has, mm -hmm. has to say about this. And I think most recently we, we signed on with a, a virtual assistant company. Well, I think that's something that we've had in the back of our minds for a while. Two years. And then, or, or seven and a half years, because mm -hmm. we always wanted that person sitting in the back of the car, the car taking notes uh, of our brilliant ideas. Um, but even even the virtual assistant stuff, I've been getting virtual Shout assistant. Shout out to Logan, by the way. Yes. I've been getting virtual assistant cold emails for probably the better part of seven years. And it wasn't until we really then had that need. And it wasn't that one organization has been, you know, in my inbox consistently, yeah. but like that stuff adds up. And so then when it was, I feel like I've gone way off on a tangent here, um, but isn't that how we get to hour long episodes anyway? <laughs> uh, the point being that it often takes, like even the most relevant message to the perfect target audience, Sometimes they're just not in the headspace where they see that for the first or second or third time. Mm -hmm. And it takes the fourth time seeing or fifth time or seventh time to see something. And all of a sudden it clicks for them. Yep. Um, so, yes, consistency and frequency. It's hard. It's hard, but required. Next on the list. Ooh, yeah. There's no way to make the one video that says everything to everyone. It's really, really tempting to try. 
really tempting. <laughs> there's no way to make the one video that says everything <clears throat> to everyone. I get it as a yep as a as our like our clients. We may pitch seventeen concepts in a in a roadmap, and they like these three. Is there a way to put those three into one? Mm-hmm. Um, no, maybe there's a reason they're separate. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. I get it because it, it, it kind of combines your resources. You don't have to maybe spend as much on production or editing or writing. And then you've, you don't have to make two more landing pages for the other videos sure. and it takes less time. And all those things are very attractive, but in the end, what happens with a video that's, that tries to speak to everybody? It speaks to nobody. Nobody gives a shit. Uh, because you have to water it down. And, and you end up basically addressing the points of the lowest common denominator. So um, you're not specifically bringing up a pain point that's going to speak to any individual who has that one pain point. You may speak broadly about some pain points that some of your prospects might have. You're not going to talk about the specific feature set that is going to intrigue uh, one of your prospect types. You're going to talk broadly about what your product or service does that doesn't grab any interest. Right. And most people will give uh, a pre-roll ad the six seconds. And if they yeah. don't, if nothing hooks them there, that's specifically for them. If it just starts talk, you know, talking about wonderful things, like it, it's blah, and you, you, you pass by it as quickly as possible. Well, and imagine the process of, of okay, we've, we've made this video. Now, before we run this YouTube pre-roll campaign, before we um, put it on LinkedIn, whatever it is we're doing, what do we want the call to action to be? Well, when you look back at that video, kind of the only one that makes sense is learn more. Yeah. Visit our website. Which is the weakest ass call to action that you we could see have. everywhere. <laughs> yes. That that is everywhere because people are falling into this trap. They're trying to make that that evergreen silver bullet. There is no silver bullet. That's that I mean that's where we started on this thing. There there isn't or magic bullet. Like there isn't a sing this isn't a singular solution. Um, I think also the common misconception, or maybe not misconception, but partial misconception, is that they think that a video costs X. So if they can have somebody make a video for X as opposed to three separate, more specific videos, that's going to cost 3X. Whereas what you, what you could do is knowing that your three versions of, of those videos are speaking very specifically to a certain audience. The the 90% of those videos could be the same, mm-hmm. but there's something on the front end and then something in the call to action that is specific to that prospect, that audience, that persona, that, that segment, whatever it is, that platform, right? That is designed to to feel more personalized to the person who's watching it. You see this a lot in websites. You see a lot of websites, including ours, that basically ask people to identify either by industry or job title or um, department mm-hmm. within a company. On the front page, oftentimes in the above the fold hero section, 
are you in marketing, sales, or customer success? Are you in um, energy, uh, uh, biotechnology, or SaaS? Mm -hmm. Like it asks you to to identify which part of the website who you are, and then it sends you to the part of the website that has specific has just some verbiage specific to that. Mm -hmm. Now. Some companies have solutions that are completely different based on industry sure. or job, job title or whatever. But if you went and you looked at the marketing services page, the sales services page, and the customer success services page, you'd probably see a lot of similarities. Yeah, format. Yep. Copy. Yep. Imagery. Sure. But content. one of, and and one of the things that that I think a lot of savvier marketers and content producers realize uh, eventually when you're doing that. When somebody is honestly identifying who they are, they're going to go into that silo, and they're they're not going to go to one of the others. Mm -hmm. So, anybody who gets concerned about like duplicate content or like, well, what if somebody like figures out that we're lazy and we're just, like, it's not about being lazy; it's about being efficient. Mm -hmm. No, nobody who is in sales is going to say, "Ooh, let's see what the marketing part of the website looks like," because I have nothing to do with my time. And they're going to go to the sales portion and they're going to read about the, you know, yeah. and watch the stuff on the problem. sales pages. So the same thing with video. You could have a video that has 80 to 90% the same content, but you've set that context at the beginning that this is something that is specifically for marketing or sales. And so it doesn't always mean that a, a marketing video, a sales video, and a customer success video cost three times right. what one video that spoke to all of them would do. And and so stop like stop doing our job for us. Stop 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 trying to figure out how to make this easy for us as videoers and <laughs> let us figure out the best way to have the most impact, which is more often than not speaking to a specific audience with a specific intent. Should we hear from our sponsor? Please. When it comes to wine, are you having trouble keeping up with your friends' palates? Difficulty finding the Palmasson California Champagne Orson Welles once recommended? Or are you tired of getting called out for saying a red tastes buttery when only a white can be buttery, but the red tastes buttery, so you're like, ooh, buttery, but someone corrects you because it's a white, can't wait, because only a white can be buttery, and then, and never mind. Fear no more. Secret Sommelier is here to help. Using the same technology that feeds you social ads for the things you've never even searched for before but were talking about with your friend earlier that day, Secret Sommelier will automatically know which wine has been brought to your table and feed you pretentious statements about that wine disguised as text messages on your phone. Something like, medium-bodied and saucy, but a racy acidity stabilizes the wine nicely with the robust tannins. Deep red currants and ripe cherries laden with mocha, loamy soil, charred herbs, pencil shavings, and a hint of roasted hazelnut. Secret Sommelier. Download on the App Store now, or maybe just find new friends. Pencil shavings. Yeah. Mm, I love a hefty amount of pencil shavings in my wine. I see I'm more of a light pencil shavings yeah. kind of person. Lovely. Uh, that does sound like a compelling, compelling app. Yeah, no, I, I think... Um, They're going to do very well. Yeah, I think Andreessen Horowitz is knocking down their door. Mm-hmm. Yep. Big, big... Big money. Fundraise coming. Big money. For all the people who want to see... Imagine all the loamy soil they're going to... Loamy soil is just... That. Loamy soil is where it's at right now. Yeah. Let us continue with hard truths 
about video. Tell me, Justin. Does video take time? It does take a lot of time. It can take a lot of time. Yes. Um, it often takes a lot of time. I know. It should take less time, but it just takes some time. It takes thought. It takes a strategic approach. It takes us, I mean, in, insert manifesto, right? It, take t- it takes time to write and revise. It takes time to to cast, to find locations, to crew up, to get the edit right, to God forbid you account for how long it takes the clients to provide their feedback. It's it's just going to take some time to do right because it's it's not video done well is not easy. I have a little bit of internal conflict here one because I feel like for the last 8 or 9 months I've been trying to find ways to help our team get video done more quickly for our clients. I think we could do it a little faster. It it's still going to take there's still a baseline of time that it takes to do it well. Now, there's also a little bit of conflict with what we've talked about before that sometimes video is easy as just picking up your phone. Right, cuz in one of the <laughs> video myths that <laughs> from the that episode whatever that 20. But if we're if if the whole premise of this episode is having an adult conversation about about really effective video for business, there's there's effort and detail and time and and quality and and technical aspects and all of that stuff that that are why it can be expensive also speaking mm-hmm. of the video can be expensive part so i, I don't want to be like too too like pretentious about this but like th- there's an there's a bit of an art to it mm-hmm. also there's also a lot of people involved it's rarely like well done video for business is rarely one person doing mm-hmm. everything um and and that just necessitates time i mean think look at i mean of course, it's different to show, but look at the credits on any show, even a cartoon. Sure. Lots and lots of people in there. Well, I mean, you, you could even go to Vimeo and look at, look at a lot of the business video on, uh, on Vimeo. And when they're listing out, you know, who the writer was, who the storyboard artist was, who the set designer was, who the art director was, who the creative director, the DP, uh, the gaffer, the grip, the editor, the, the post-production supervisor, I, I mean... Like it just very quickly adds up, even yeah. if it's a ninety second. And all those people like to get paid for. <laughs> yes, yes, they do, um, and they should get paid because mm-hmm. they all do something very specific that adds to the whole of of the video content that you're producing. Um, I think another big point is that video takes time to see results. Yes, because I was going to say every phase of this takes time. It takes time to properly build a strategy. Mm-hmm. It takes time to create the asset create the asset it takes time to get it out there multiple times on multiple channels uh promote that content a b test it first and then launch the full campaign and and then it takes a minimum of three months with it out there consistently in the public to be able to analyze any of the analytics that you have six months is even better but you're just not, in most cases, going to have a sample size large enough in th- in less than three months to really get a good sense of if that video is doing what it was supposed to be doing. Mm. And it, it's, I'm sorry, that's just how it is. Mm-hmm. I think that also leads to one of our last points that we're going to make here coming up that like, 
you're already falling behind because there are a whole lot of companies out there who are already do already have a bunch of content out there that they're learning a lot from their analytics because it's mm-hmm. been out there for three, six, nine, twelve mm-hmm. months, two years, whatever it is, and they've got that leg up on you people who haven't done a whole lot of video. Yeah. And you get what you're paid for more often than not. I think we can dig into that. I think that ties into what we were just saying. Yes, all of those people involved would like to be paid. Um, but again, and this this is a very manifesto-heavy episode, you need to be seeing video as an investment, not an expense. It's It takes time and other resources to create impactful content, and you should be taking that time to make sure that that content is going to have that positive return so that the money part that you're putting out there is going to be made back and more because ultimately when we're talking about video for business that's what this is all about anyway Mm -hmm. i mean even if you're doing some kind of even if you're doing recruiting videos you're trying to staff up so that ultimately you can either be more profitable or bring in more revenue and it usually doesn't happen in the short term but even the furthest thing from a direct sale uh, if you're making video about that, you're making it to impact the bottom line of the company you work for, or at least I hope that's why you're doing it. Number seven of seven in our manifesto investment, video often costs money. And when a business spends money, the expectation will be that there's a return on that investment. We will treat video the same. We'll set out to create video that has a positive, measurable return for our business. As the most engaging and measurable content out there, video can and should make the company money. Pretty simple. Let's talk about measurable. A hard truth about video, a lot of people don't, uh, a lot of people say it's impossible to to track, to to attribute. I think a convenient excuse For for not doing any kind of content is because Oh, well, attribution is hard. Yeah. Sure, it's hard. But it's kind of a required part of the job. Mm-hmm. At this, I mean, that is... Uh, I could make up a statistic, but I've recently seen some statistics that, like, attribution is one of a CMO's yeah. top responsibilities. And so, yeah, it, it is possible to attribute revenue to an individual piece of content, whether that's video content or a blog or an email campaign, it may not immediately present itself to you. You may have to use tools and you may have to make decisions on the algorithms and and the the percent weight that you put something into a whole process, but attribution is possible. So stop using it as an excuse to to not make any content because you don't know what kind of return it will. You've got to put the tools in place to to be able to analyze that though. That's one thing that a lot of people also don't want necessarily want to invest in. Uh, when it comes to video, because some of those tools can be expensive, um, see the point above. Yeah, and and I don't I don't think this is going to shock anyone, but if it does, then we should have a longer conversation. Um, play count is irrelevant. Uh, I mean, uh, it like the idea of of virality in a video is is just um, in the B two B space is just ridiculous because if you're trying to create any kind of content that has some form of virality, no matter how you think you define that, you're not doing it for the right reasons because 
you've got only a fixed number of potential prospects out there and they identify themselves in certain ways and you want to be targeting to those specific populations as opposed to a broad i mean i i don't care if you have a thousand views or 10 million views if the thousand views are 80 percent your target prospects anyway that's probably as many prospects are going to see it if it had 10 million views and this is tough because i see so i understand this is we're speaking about B2B. Yes. And there's got to be a, an actual B2B example. But the Dollar Shave Club video did so much for that brand. Sure. Because people saw it and liked it and they talked about it. That did have a very viral effect. Yeah. Um, not B2B. I, no, not B2B. But, but that's exactly it. If... This whole podcast and our whole business is about video for business, specifically B2B business. We should not be using the word viral in our conversations, Mm -hmm. not because we think that sets an unreasonable expectation for the results of a piece of content we're making. It's because that is not the purpose. Broad, wide, uh, news-making understanding of your product as a b2b business should not be one of your goals mm-hmm. I change mean, my mind sandwich yeah i mean because I mean, sandwich video makes such amazing content yeah but you don't see anybody you don't see people posting that i mean maybe within the video industry right maybe a little bit within the tech space because founders and marketers say man that's a really good yeah. campaign that's a really yeah. good but but, but only in that capacity. It's, yes. Yeah. It's it's still. I mean, and because then you're talking about targeted virality, and that's and that just goes against virality. Right. Virality is a broad, shares itself kind of nature, and and I just I'm I'm tired of talking about it. If you can't tell, <laughs> hard truths. Play count is play count is irrelevant. Yeah. Um, which which is meant to set up the greater point that there are so many accessible and available hosting solutions that give you access to advanced analytics, there's no excuse to not be using them. Mm -hmm. There is no excuse for embedding a YouTube embed on your website if you're trying to generate any actual leads from something. Go to Vimeo Pro for $60 a year. Mm and have access to lead capture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd pay that out of my own pocket if I were a marketing director. Yeah. A hard truth that applies to most people trying to do video for business, unfortunately, is you're falling behind. Um, that's my take on it. I, I think one of the ways that you've been talking about it the last few years is a little bit more hopeful. Two or three years ago, you started to say, started saying that in two or three years, everybody's going to be doing video for business well. Do you want to be starting two or three years into your journey on practicing effective video for business at that point? Or do you want to be just starting at that point? We're at that two to three years from mm-hmm. when you started talking about mm-hmm. that. And there are a lot of people out there who are doing it well or who are doing some of these things. Even if they're making one video, at least they're measuring advanced analytics or 
they're at the very least making multiple pieces of content or sharing it like like if you're one of these people who's sitting there not acting on video or one of those people who is i made a video once so i'm a videoer you're you're falling behind mm -hmm. and and that's depressing put a positive but spin true. put a positive, positive spin try. on that a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step so do very true make make an effort to do one to to focus on one of these this year or this quarter or whatever and just understand that it's going to take time because video takes time yep that was one of these right <laughs> uh i believe that concludes our list of hard truths for video let's hear from our sponsor again shall we yeah <clears throat> When it comes to wine, are you having trouble keeping up with your friends' palates? Difficulty finding the Paul Masson California Champagne Orson Welles once recommended? Or are you tired of getting called out for saying a red tastes buttery when only a white can be buttery, but the red tastes buttery? So you're like, ooh, buttery, but someone corrects you because only a white can be buttery. I digress. Fear no more. Secret Sommelier is here to help. Using the same technology that feeds you social ads for things you've never even searched for before, but we're talking about with your friend earlier that day, Secret Sommelier will automatically know which wine has been brought to your table and feed you pretentious statements about that wine, disguised as text messages on your phone. Something like, hmm, medium-bodied and saucy, but a racy acidity stabilizes the wine nicely with the robust tannins. Deep red currants and ripe cherries laden with mocha, loamy soil, charred herbs, pencil shavings, and a hint of roasted hazelnut. Secret Sommelier. Download on the App Store now. Or maybe just find some new friends. Does it tell you, like, <clears throat> how to hold a certain type of glass? Like, if you're getting a... Absolutely. So it's got all that, how to sip it. Yeah, so what that'll do, what's really nice is it'll either... It won't send you a text message, but in the SMS, like in your messages, it'll just show you either a picture... Or a short little gif of mm -hmm. kind of a, yes, where to hold it, how to swirl it, awesome. how to, you know, look at the tannins and see mm. what kind of legs it has. Legs? That's right. I don't know. I'm not, not a, wine. a wine drinker. I'm not a wine drinker. Mm -hmm. In my defense, I decided that I didn't like wine while I was in college, mm -hmm. which also means we were drinking terrible wine. Yeah. So I have had some, some wines that I have enjoyed. Including a red that I thought tasted awfully buttery, but was corrected very quickly in saying that only whites can be buttery. You were there. When was it? Uh, we were at a dinner with a client. Oh, I think I remember that. Um, one of our favorite clients, but I've never forgotten that. <laughs> um, all right. So that was this episode of the Video Reformation Podcast. We talked about hard truths for video. Uh, I would encourage you all to take a moment, look deep inside yourselves, subscribe, share, like, rate this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcasts. Thank you. That is your moment of Ben. That is your moment of Ben. <laughs>